Park. It's an 87th Precinct bonus episode. This is the bonus podcast for our look at the book Vespers, the 42nd of the 87th Precinct novels. A delightfully bleak tale of dead priests and Satanists and attempts to acquire guns in order to kill hitmen. You know, all the jolly things that we, we like to read about. Lots of fun. I've got Steve O'Morgan here for the very important work of talking about the book covers and smelling the books. We're still doing it. Oh, we're yes. still doing it. And then we'll have a look at some more stuff from 1990, our usual stuff of, of music, TV, films, and our picks as, as well. So shall we have a look at the stuff I brought I brought along? Brought along? What am I talking about? But yes, yeah. so Steve, do you want to describe the very first picture, the US hardback edition? It's got the same classical Ed McBain with the C in the M and the B, nice big white text with Vespers. And it's on top of a picture. Is is that a church? I've seen it's it got a cross. Yeah. yeah, a cross yeah. on the top. Yeah. Not a church as I'd know a church, though, to be fair. I don't think it's a church like you'd find in New York either, or or even yeah. Yeah. Isola. It, it looks more like a uh, Germanic castle. It does a bit. <laughs> yes. With a bit of a sunset or sunrise behind it, or yes. large fire in the building behind <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, quite a moody, a moody image there. That um, it is. It is not a still that would be unsurprising if it hadn't come from a, a early sixties Hammer horror film, actually. No, yeah, true. Has a bit yeah. of that look about it, yeah. Yeah, a bit of that vibe. So, um, yeah, quite, quite like the look of that. Yes, quite enigmatic. Quite enigmatic indeed. And so let's see what we do for the US paperback, if you could describe the next one, Morgan. Next one along. So we've got the same uh, Ed McBain logo, uh, as described very uh, ably by Steve-O. Um, we've got a, a bit of a jaunty uh, font for the word Vespers. It is a bit like something you might see on a Pink Panther cartoon. It is a bit. It's particularly for the, for the fact that it is actually in hot pink, um, <laughs> which which is, is a bit strange. And there's a, a different church in the background. It's a little bit psychedelic as churches go, but uh, I don't don't know what that would entail. There's it's it's not quite as kind of eerily twilight as the other one, um, and there's some kind of vehicle in front of it as well i'm not sure like a bus. i think it's trying yeah try to imply that it's a church on a on a street in a city yeah. so i think that's a bit more like it, you yeah. might find yeah, in it's, New York. it's next door to a bar isn't it and that would make sense hotel. Yeah. but uh, it's a similar concept really to, to to the other one just slightly differently executed yeah that font is quite something, really. It really is. <laughs> it's, uh, I hadn't twigged at quite how, how how loopy it was. Uh, yeah, it's a bit like it, it's it's like you'd, you'd imagine like the ventures would be written on the front of like a, an album sleeve from nineteen sixty four. Oh right, it's, well, uh, yeah, very. Jaunty. Wait till you see the the UK hardback font. Oh, no, then. this is. Which, which, <laughs> well, I'll let you describe this one as well, Stevo. Well, it's it's got. The flag of Italy, in I would assume. But what? Oh, yes. Well, yeah. but what, so, like, green at the top, white in the middle, and then a dripping blood at the bottom. <laughs> Why that would be the flag of Italy? I suppose one of the main protagonists, very Italian community, isn't it? Maybe it's a nod to that. 
And then I think that's in front of a church doorway, but it's all a bit conceptual, so you can't really otherwise black cover. So yeah. um, exciting it, font, uh, again quite psychedelic shaped text. It's a, a weird mismatch of fonts, isn't it? The kind of very sort of stark late eighties, early nineties thriller kind of Ed McBain kind of blocky red, and then this sort of weird prog album cover kind of vespers underneath. Yes, it is very prog. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the same font as Yes have on their <laughs> albums for like the word Yes, isn't it? Very similar. It's yeah. We've got quite a, a mixed bag here of very weird things, yeah. and yeah, I've got the UK paperback edition in front of me here, which is the, the, the I've final got, one. I've them. got that one as well. Yeah, yeah. So it just says McBain in in stark red letters at the top. We've got a distant cityscape which we've had before in some of the penguin editions uh, or some of the penguin reprints anyway have got that sort of thing no am i thinking yeah penguin ones vespers is done in a sort of copper plate i think they call it don't they that type yeah. of font with a nice shiny gold background to it there as if it's something that you might see outside a church or, a, or yeah. something like that i don't know and then we've got a, a cross and rosary lying in i don't know a what's a white like a big, line? Uh, yeah, so it looks like a white line on a road, which would suggest that there was an automobile aspect to this, which there isn't. <laughs> Perhaps it's the line of which a priest should not cross, maybe. I don't oh, know. Steve, oh, that's, that's, yeah. symbolism. I, yeah, very good. But yeah, it's clearly an asphalt road, though, isn't it, in the white <laughs> it line? Is, so. It is, yeah. Or somebody's unrolled a giant roll of toilet paper. <laughs> And this is, you know, just looking at the middle uh, bit of holding it. it, holding it down with a, a cross and rosary. Yeah, yeah. as you do, so, so it doesn't blow away. Yeah, <laughs> and of course now we're outside of of Pan publishing the UK paperback, so it's no longer Colin Thomas anymore. It's uh, cover designed by Button Design Company, according to this Button Design oh. Company. So yeah, so what do we think of those four, those four? Actually, I mean, they're not the worst they're... ones we've had. Bloody no, hell, we've no, had some shockers. Not. I think I would order them. I quite, I quite like the first one, second one. Yeah, they're not bad. The third one's a bit boring, but then it's got the font from Tales from Topographic Ocean, so it's not all bad. Although that is a dreadful record, so perhaps it is. But yeah, so they're all right. They've they've got each got something to um, remark on, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. It's been more fun describing these than some of them, anyway. Definitely. Okay, so let's go, let's get back to some uh, nineteen. Oh no, hang on, we haven't done our smelling. Oh, oh yeah. So we've well, we've ascertained that Steve and I have got the UK paperback edition. And this, Morgan, you've got your omnibus. Wonder if they oh, smell oh. the same. Ooh, very. Yeah, it doesn't really smell very much. Mine. You see, we've no way to test whether they smell the same, and what we, we could do with the. Somebody needs to write a thesis on the smell of books. <laughs> Because you know, books have old books have a certain smell, don't they? This is true. Yeah. And yet, what causes that smell? You know, and they're all stored in different places. So yeah, I'll shut up now. But mine's a bit beaten up. How much did yours cost? Mine cost uh, uh, would have cost three ninety nine at the time. Ooh, mine's four ninety nine. Oh, oh, when I bought it, it was one ninety nine. When I bought it, uh, right. Well, nine. mine originally cost four ninety nine, and I bought for two pounds. Uh, mine was four pounds for the three books, uh, and would originally have been at, at whopping nine ninety nine. So this this says re- reprinted nineteen ninety one five times, nineteen ninety two 
twice in 1993. Three times? Crikey. Seems an excessive amount. Which one have you got? Mine was mine was uh, a 1991 reprint. So there's been at least five plus reprints since mine and yours. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what whether that's to do with that they printed fewer of them than they thought yeah. they'd need, or yeah. it was just that popular that they got through lots of them. You yeah, know, you don't know, do you? No, maybe. But, yeah, let me have a quick whiff of mine yeah, as we're comparing then. similar editions. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's fine. I'm happy with that. Satisfactory. That's what I like. Not too much, not too much, not too little. That's the sort of thing. And I suppose Morgan's. I don't, will it be different in the in the middle of your book edition rather than yes. the edges? I feel like if I had a, a, a better and a more acute sense of smell, it might be different in the middle. Just because the original owner of this. Um, did appear to have spilt some water on the top of the book, which has resulted in some some water damage to the earlier pages. So we're away from that. I imagine it probably smells very slightly different towards the middle, but I can't tell. So you can't tell what he spilt? Could have been a cup of tea? I think it was a cup of tea. I'd know about it. It it definitely just looks like it's it's water and it's just not dried out. Just got that slight crinkling of, of the pages. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like wave to the whole thing. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> right. Well, <coughs> well, there we go. That's me recovering from my uh, book sniffing there. Let's get stuck into some 1990 stuff. And I'm, as I've said before in the main episode, things now are very, I say fresh in the mind. They feel like they're fresh in the mind. Mm-hmm. 1990 to me feels like yesterday. Yes. Uh, but it, in fact, it's 30 years ago. So <laughs> that is terrifying. Oh. But I've got the UK and US charts from the the week of third of January nineteen ninety when this book was was copyrighted. So I will I will run down these and you can you can give me your thoughts on them. So cool. I'll go from I'll run up rather these ones from ten till one for, in the UK anyway. We've got you got it the right stuff by New Kids on the Block. Oh Oof. God, yeah, well, <laughs> which is underneath number nine, hanging tough. New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Uh, number eight we've got the magic number and buddy by della soul terrific can't fault that that's a good thing to be in there number seven we've got lambada by kaoma (laughs) yeah that that was that was massive wasn't it i i always thought in my in my memory that was one of those sort of summer kind of holiday hits it really feels like it but it was it it was right the other end of the year wasn't it it's very strange yeah, around Christmas, so it's been a few weeks on the charts. Uh, yeah, sort of dance craze type yeah. thing, wasn't it? But that's that's struggling at number six underneath Andy Stewart with... Tell me, where's your trousers? <laughs> oh, right, well, I've got the, yeah. I, I, I got that for Christmas, I think. My auntie bought me that. Oh, the, well, the, happy, the, 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 the 45, <laughs> which a which, uh, Scottish soldier on the, the B-side. Oh, excellent stuff! Yeah, that's that's a novelty song, and, and uh, no mistake that it that's in the sure charts is. in 1990. Yeah, <laughs> it's a right. It's a chown that I tell you. It is. <laughs> uh, number five, we've got "Dear Jesse" by Madonna. Oh yeah, which I quite like "Dear Jesse" by Madonna. It's... Nice sort of like cartoon video, I seem to recall. Yes, yeah, and it's it's sort of pleasingly sixties esque, isn't yeah. it as well? So yeah, it's very very cute. Underneath, underneath, above that, I, I, underneath and above, the wrong way around, stupid. 
Uh, Don't get four. you to ever read out the chart, sure. <laughs> Mark, 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 Mark Goodyear is safe in his job, I would say. And underneath that... Sideways from number five. <laughs> Diagonally across. It's... Uh, it's... Two up, one across. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, maybe it'd be good if you could go two up and one across and try and avoid number four, which is Let's Party by Jive Bunny and the Master Mixes. Oh, God, yeah. Diminishing returns on that slim gimmick i think if if anyone doesn't know who jive bunny is then well i'll leave it up to you to choose whether you want to look him up um we bear no responsibility for what happens if you do number three is get a life by soul to soul i don't remember that one it's it's not as well known as back to life or um the other one which i also can't remember now but yeah yeah, still pretty big it's got i think it's the one with like it's got like a little kind of kids chorus kind of hook oh yes no i know it exactly now yeah Yeah, it's come back to me uh yeah they're all right soul to soul number two is when you come back to me by australia's own (laughs) jason donovan (laughs) i'm not sure if that's the start of the end for him really as far as hits go he he, he trundles on for a little bit doesn't he i think and then gets a revival with with joseph after after a bit but uh, it's kind of his he's uh it's the halcyon days from uh, the start of 1990 i think okay (laughs) and number one do they know it's christmas band-aid two the pete waterman produced one marvelous yeah I know there are still there's some folks who will defend it to this day, but it's just not got the um, as none of them have had since you know the remakes of it. It's it's not quite got the star quality as it of the original. Uh, not quite. No. no, you've not got uh, status quo turning up drunk. You know, <laughs> no. yeah, thingy from Bross on the drums instead of Phil Collins. <laughs> Sad times. <laughs> So anyway, we've learnt anyway that Steve-O, at the age of 11, for Christmas got Donald Wears Your yeah, Choosers did, by yeah. Andy Stewart. I, I've, no, I've, I've no idea where that is, but it'll be somewhere. Excellent. Yeah. Treasure it. Okay, and in America, so the top 10, starting at 10, is I'm Your Baby Tonight by Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah. Number nine is The First Time by Surface. Oh, I don't remember that. Sounds like a cleaning agent, that song, <laughs> it does. doesn't it? cleans the first time every time (laughs) surface for surfaces (laughs) Um, eight is sensitivity by ralph tresvant trevant no idea sounds like another car a bit like steve citron (laughs) (laughs) Uh, number seven love will never do without you by janet jackson See, I've heard of Janet Jackson. I don't remember that one. No. uh, Number six, Impulsive by Wilson Phillips. Yeah, I don't think we got as many of Wilson Phillips' hits over here as uh, as they got in the States. No, no. One or two, didn't we? Yeah. Pretty big, but... Number five is Tom's Diner, DNA featuring Suzanne Vega. Ah, tremendous. Yeah, that's all right. Number four is High Enough by Damn Yankees. Oh, that's uh, Ted Nugent, soft rock band, I think, possibly. (laughs) Oh, lovely. That's what you want over the festive period. Ah, Definitely, Uh, a bit of festive Ted. (laughs) (laughs) A festive Ted. Ted Nugent turning up on Christmas Day. You'd know about about it. You'd know about it, wouldn't you? (laughs) Blasting the windows out of your house. Uh, 
Three is From a Distance by Bette Midler. Oh, God. Possibly the best way to experience that. I'm sure that's a joke that was made many times. <laughs> Number two is Stevie B with Because I Love You, the Postman song. Oh, <laughs> nope. And uh, number one is Justify My Love by Madonna. It seemed Donald Wears you were Donald Wears your choices had just fallen out of the top ten at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy Stewart had it withdrawn at his own request because uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, But you know, every week we do these charts and it just shows you that they just bear no resemblance to the songs that get remembered, you know. By yeah. the, even the current and future generations, do they? Well, there's so much stuff in charts that comes and goes. Mm. I think it's it, it's the idea that charts are this fixed record of something of this was the best. It's like, well, no, this is what sold the best. Yeah, yeah you, you, you know the, the the stuff. You know, you'll be having stuff that hung around in the top twenty for a month, and that's probably the stuff that gets listened to now still, isn't it? Rather than yeah, something that happened to peak at number seven for a week. Yeah, and again, we're not really talking about albums so much, and that's a whole other story in terms of what what their places and yeah. status in terms of memory making and and whether the people even released singles off them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I read though, which was uh, when I was just having a look for my own picks, that 1990 was the top year for uh, the peak year for US cassette sales so which I thought was quite interesting so thereafter slid away so I suppose probably the UK probably a few years maybe after that so maybe we had a couple more years of yeah yeah like 92 maybe 93 peaking and then CDs maybe but yeah a bit of a yeah, changing no, of the guards format wise yeah. Certainly, yeah. It obviously took CD a little while to sort of get its, its full foothold and come yeah. down in price to be, uh, you know, affordable for everyone. Anyway, I was just thinking I didn't get my first CD player at home until 1994, and that was a Christmas present. Yeah. And that was the year I got live at the BBC by the Beatles. Yeah. I think we, we got ours in actually in 1990 because my mum won it in a competition along with some record tokens. So I think I, we each got sort of a couple of CDs with the, these record tokens, and then those were the family CD collection for the next four years. All right. Can you remember what you got? I I can. I got um, Sheer Heart Attack by Queen and a, a terrible choice, Fly on the Wall by ACDC, possibly the worst ever ACDC album. <laughs> I didn't know. I liked the, pic- the picture on the cover. I plumped for it. At the time, I thought it was great. Yeah, it's got a couple of decent songs, but uh, it's not the best. Oh well, there you go. That's an early adopter, thanks to your mum's uh, amazing power of winning competitions. <laughs> yes, this is true. She was an enterer of competitions, wasn't she? Very, your mum, very much so. Yeah, we, we uh, most of the things in the house were won one way or another. We kind of just did without stuff until until my mum won it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you've got the skill, ah, there you are. Right, well, let's move on to the highest grossing films of 1990. Can you think what might be in there? Pretty Woman? Yes, number three. There was quite a lot of fairly shit sequels, wasn't there, when (laughs) Um, I was looking down at 1990 films? um, There's a couple of sequels in the top ten. Godfather Part 3? Oof. No. Back to the Future 3? Back to the Future Part 3 is in there. Yeah, got number six most highest grossing film. Gremlins Part 2. 
Well, that comes out in 1990, yeah. Die Hard 2 is the other oh, one that's, yeah. that's, that's in there at number yeah, seven. Yeah, there was Predator 2, was that there? So uh, many, not, not in the top ten. So many twos. I think you're going to have to tell us rather than us. Well, <laughs> let's run up from number ten again. So run, number run, ten highest, next highest down. grossing. Just sideways. <laughs> next left. one down. Uh, stop, stop, stop. Stop, sidestep left. Um, number ten, Kindergarten Cop. Oh, God, we'd be guessing forevermore on that. <laughs> I think I saw that in the cinema. Excellent. Uh, number, number nine, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Which I definitely saw in the cinema. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did as well. Although I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Uh, highest grossing indie indie film ever at that point. Because hmm. it was an independent film that made $201 million. You know, it's, uh, um, Presumed Innocent, number eight. I don't know. No, I don't one. think I know what that is at all. Then we've got Die Hard 2, Back to the Future Part 3, Total Recall, number five. Oh, oh. cracking. Yeah. We can remember it for you wholesale. Yes. Uh, Number four, Dances with Wolves. Oh, yeah. A picture your parents went to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is is that film called Dances with Wolves? Dances with Wolves. Yeah, you see, it just doesn't sound right, does it? I've never thought that that film sounds right. Dances with Wolves. (laughs) (laughs) With Wolves. It just it just sounds somehow wrong. Yeah. Dancer Hampton Wanderers with Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah. Uh, number three, number three is Pretty Pretty Woman. Number two is Home Alone. Oh yeah, of course. And number one is Spectral Pottery Sex with Ghost. Oh, God, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite like Demi Moore in that film. That was good. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there. Uh, that's a list of some still quite big films there, really ones yes. that have lasted. And yeah, yeah, not bad. I like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think it's quite good. The animatronics in it were excellent. Don't I think I've ever seen it. Oh, it's really think, worth watching. I think I watched it about thirty years ago for the one and only time, and therefore have no memory of it. <laughs> well, you know, don't accidentally watch one of the newer versions of no. you know the recent adaptations, which are absolutely awful (laughs) well moving on from the big screen let's get down to the small screen because i've got some tv debuts to share with you and a a couple of things in here that have have blown my tiny mind (laughs) in the uk things that start over here including things that have we've just adopted from other countries like quantum leap (laughs) great stuff quantum leap and star trek the next generations both start on uk tv in 1990 and they both remind me of moving to Stoke because it was the first time I had a television in my bedroom when we moved mm-hmm. down there. And both of those things started again on TV on BBC Two, I think. Yeah, and watching right. them on a little black and white telly while I was sort of tidying up my room, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, MasterChef starts in 1990. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I tell you what, I was watching an episode of Pointless the other day, and it had Lloyd Grossman in, and you can't equate the person he looks like now with what he looked like thirty years ago. It's mad. We we also get in nineteen ninety, we get the start of the Jeeves and Worcester adaptation, starring Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie, uh, which is brilliant. Excellent. Mr. Bean starts. Oh God. Soon to be a worldwide phenomena. Uh, we get Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, very hey. very important to me. 
and the Mary Whitehouse experience, which was a very good comedy show, which was felt like it was slightly too old for us, I think. Oh, yeah. It felt very edgy watching that. We also get uh, The Crystal Maze. Oh, ah, great. Start the fans, please. You have got 208 gold tokens, but 40,000 silver tokens. <laughs> so you go home empty-handed. We watched quite a few episodes of that whilst I was on holiday, the old ones. And I'm not kidding, 100% of the people in that episode, in those programmes all have ridiculous made-up names. <laughs> uh, but only subtly ridiculous. So we were talking about Steve Citron, but they'd all have a name like that. Oh, right, like okay. rat, you know, sound like a make of car or, you know, <laughs> something else. Yeah, it was essentially a team building away day on TV, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. We, Groups yeah. of chartered accountants being sent out to go in to do these ex- uh, these tasks while being taunted by Richard O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. very strange. But one thing I did want to mention: right, this is a I've ne- I've never heard of this, but tell me if you have. Now, obviously, in 1990, none of us lived in Liverpool, so we might not have heard about the programme. There were 16 episodes of it made, two series. Waterfront Beat, a police procedural set in the Liverpool docks, created no. by Phil Redmond. Doesn't ring a bell. No, I, watched, I watched that. Was there not one called Mersey Beat or something? There was that, years later. That, that yeah. was about 10, yeah, so like about 2000, so about 10 years after that. Yeah, but this was called Waterfront Beat and all set down the docks. I've never heard of it, ever. And I I looked at the list of actors and it didn't recognise any of them. Fighting crime on Otter's Pool Prom. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Keeping the the floating map of of Great Britain safe. Yeah. (laughs) Outside the TV studio. No, I, I I I think that must have sunk without a trace. Yeah, into uh, one of the docks, into the yeah. silt of uh, Albert Dock at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's one of the things that blew my mind. I've never heard of that, but no. part of me really wants to see it because I'd quite like to see Liverpool in 1990. Yeah. Uh, so if I give you some US TV debuts, Twin Peaks starts. Oh yeah. Obviously, left a lasting legacy and still sort of going to some extent now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, <laughs> which is just repeated ad nauseum for forever and then attack of the killer tomatoes the cartoon great do you remember that i do I re- yeah. well i kind of vaguely remember the theme tune i don't actually remember yeah, much about the yeah, show. Me too. no i don't think it was very good but i do remember attack <laughs> of the killer tomatoes yes. <laughs> but there was a tv series made of uncle book mm-hmm. not starring john candy Obviously. <laughs> and guess what? It was cancelled partway through its run. Shocker. But this is the thing that most blew my mind. <laughs> and I'm sure I haven't mentioned this before, but if I have, I do apologise. Uh, I would have blanked it out, which is why it's come to me new. So we've got Stephen Botchko, who creates Hill Street Blues, essentially. Mm-hmm. Very, very important person. So he's created a new police procedural. But let me just add a little word on there. He's created a new police procedural musical. Oh. It's called Cop... Cop Rock. Wow. <laughs> There's 11 episodes of this. Composers featured on it include Randy Newman. Oh my God. And Mike Post, who did the Hill Street Blues music. Yeah. But Randy Newman did the TV, the, like the theme for the program. Uh-uh. And it like appears in the title sequence and stuff. But it's, it's a police, a gritty police procedural, but it's a musical. 
That sounds amazing. I just can't <laughs> imagine it, really. And I don't know. Maybe I'll have to try and look an episode up and we could do a, a bonus episode watching one of them at some it point because it sound sounds tremendous. It sounds too good to be true. <laughs> But yeah, apparently the series' final episode, which aired on December the 26th, 1990, concluded with the cast breaking character <laughs> and joining the crew members in performing a closing song. Wow. That makes my heart sink. Just <laughs> That's ludicrous. Yeah, and I did look at uh, other stuff from around other places in the world anyway to, to get us away from cop rock. <laughs> uh, but basically, the main thing that seems to be happening everywhere across the world is funniest home video movies are oh, like I guess, yeah. you know tv show home video movies home video things so we get um you've been framed starts in the uk but it starts across the world everywhere it's like oh australia's funniest home mm. videos new zealand's funniest home videos canada's funniest i guess yeah the the, the increasing availability of affordable video cameras uh makes a kind of cheap way of making tv that lots of people watch yeah because we all like to see people driving into a tree on a motorbike or falling in a lake yeah people being humorously injured (laughs) yeah the uh the prime dennis norden days i suppose yeah well we do like to see things going wrong we have to miserable species we are (laughs) anyway let's get on to our picks and i think i'll come to steve-o first what have you brought for us in oh my lord well yeah i must admit i came to it very late uh so yeah i can't quite remember what a plum for 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 film you did mention it i i i've quite well am i ashamed to have picked this i don't know i've picked (laughs) total recall i've always had a bit of a soft spot for that film don't be ashamed of that it's a crack no it's excellent it, it being totally ridiculous, uh, and I did yeah. see, I did see it not so long since, and even on multiple watches, it holds up. Um, and it's one of those films that you can't. It's like quite, even though I must have watched it about well, I don't know, twenty times or something. It's quite confusing, actually. Quite confusing. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty twisty, isn't it? Yeah, it's With one of those films. I'm not even certain that the people who wrote it fully actually knew actually what had gone on <laughs> uh, so yes i uh, i'll go with that that's fair enough and then for my music pick well i was having a look down i was i was i was a little bit disappointed reading through everything and then i, I must have hit uh, jackpot a, a good year for metal i would say <laughs> 1990 so lots of metal picks lots of like Really over the uh, hill, seventies acts still <laughs> churning out albums in nineteen ninety. But um, yeah, Pantera classic Megadeth album as well. But um, now I know I went for Neil Young quite recently, but he did bring out Ragged Glory in nineteen ninety, <sighs> and I struggle not to pick that. Even though always had a bit of a soft spot for Rust in Peace as well by. Uh, by uh, good old Dave Mustaine and the lads. But um, yeah, I'll go for Ragged Glory, I think. Fair enough. Okay, yeah. You're allowed to repeat uh, artists and things like that because otherwise I'd be stuffed half the time. Well, you could go for an Ian Gillan solo album, couldn't you? I j- I'm just don't know. <laughs> well, you know, that's between, between you and your God. <laughs> but yeah, he's not quite full on... Slightly before most of like the, uh, the grunge releases start coming mm. out, I would think. Uh, but I thought I saw um, 
Mother Love Bone, were they called? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so you, it's the precursors of that explosion starting to see their releases in 1990. But Definitely that stuff creeping in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll go to Morgan now and find out what he has selected from this particular year. Go on, then. Um, yeah, film-wise, um, I am going to go with Crybaby. So, Tom, if, you've, if, if you're familiar with it, the John Waters rock and roll musical. I feel like it might be something we would have watched at some point on hmm. video at university or something like that. Or quite, after. quite probably, yeah. It's I, I, know, I know Johnny Depp's a problematic figure these days, but he, he was mm. at his at his peak in that, along with a, a really great supporting cast with Iggy Pop on hysterical form, Tracy Lords, a, a lot of the John Waters regulars as well, Mink Stoll. And it's just, it's it's obviously ridiculously campy, uh, really good fun. The songs are great. It's it's just totally daft and, and utterly hilarious, I think. Um, so I've always had a, a bit of a soft spot for that. Nice choice then. Um, and album-wise, I, I actually got a bit excited when I started looking through the records that I got that came out in 1990. And I think 1990 was definitely the time when I really kind of properly got into buying records i bought a few records before then but that was like the first year when i really went a bit nuts with everything so loads of stuff that that uh, i was very excited about that year it was difficult to narrow it down really there's a, a few gems um yeah uh, first Green Day album came out uh, 1990, um, uh, 39 Smooth, which is, is excellent. Um, Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy, I was almost going for. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good record. an absolute beast. And my favourite Suicidal Tendencies record, Lights, Camera, Revolution, which, which I did buy in 1990. But I am going to go for um, Flood by They Might Be Giants. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Because I, I, I love They Might Be Giants, and that was kind of, I guess, their big major label breakthrough uh, it's got Birdhouse yes. in Your Soul on, but and, which is a great pop song. But actually, the the best thing about it is just it's so weird. It's like a big, mm-hmm. sprawling, weird album with lots of very strange little songs on. Quite what most people who bought it based on that one really obvious pop song thought when they actually got this record home. I have no idea, but uh, it's very strange. and I love it. Yeah. I do quite like stealth albums like that. You get them, everyone drawn in by a, a really popular single. And Birdhouse in Your Soul is, was really popular in the UK. Yes. It was in the charts for ages, wasn't it? Mm. But it's, yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> nice. Well, I have chosen, anyway, for my film, and it has been mentioned before, because Steve, I mentioned it before, it's Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Oh, right. I am a big fan of Gremlins 2. I love Gremlins. It's a brilliant film. But there's something about Gremlins 2 where, you know, where sequels, they just take an idea and they just overdo it. Yeah. Well, that's what Gremlins 2 does brilliantly. <laughs> And it, it overdoes it, and but also does it in a sort of strange satirical way, this big sort of hmm. big business satire that's going on on top of Gremlins. And it's so, I yeah, I'm a really big fan of Gremlins too, and uh, I must watch it again soon. Is Christopher Lee in it? Yes, he is. <laughs> it's worth it for that alone, really. <laughs> and for albums, I think something Steve sort of mentioned there as well, of course, is this American rock grunge sound, and also not just the grunge, but sort of this this weird indie 
rock sound coming out of America. So we're st- mm-hmm. starting to see all sorts of things. So I'm torn between two here. Both albums I'm not like massively familiar with, but I love. One is Repeater by Fugazi. Oh, yeah. Which is a heck of an album. Sure but is. you've also got Goo by Sonic Youth. Hmm. So what do you do when you've got to weigh up Fugazi, or, like Repeater or Goo? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd probably go for Repeater because I know that one better than than Goo. Yeah. But they're both great guitar albums. Definitely, yeah. So, Absolutely cracking. So Repeater by Fugazi is my is my pick for for music anyway. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Well, there we go. We've we've dealt with 1990. A we're in a new decade. <laughs> I've moved to Stoke. McBain's had a heart attack. <laughs> all, all the fun of the fair. God, it really does feel like yesterday. I can't believe it. We will be back soon with the, the main book, which is Widows. But before then, as I mentioned on the main podcast, we'll be doing some Christmas stuff with And All Through the House. So until we see you for such festive fun, I am going to say au revoir. And so is Steve-O. Goodbye. And Morgan. Fairly well. <laughs> <laughs>